Are you looking to expand your brand this year? Want to make your business stand out above the rest? Well, there's no better way to grow than with your own podcast. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a small business, or a massive company, you need a podcast in 2024. Podcast Plus is an easy and efficient way for you and your brand to join the podcast revolution. There's no better way to position your company as the go-to authority than with a podcast that showcases your industry knowledge, insights, and expertise. The studios at Podcast Plus are state-of-the-art with top-of-the-line production quality. And if you're just starting out, Podcast Plus offers professional script writing, editing magic, and can conceptualize your show, create your cover art, and get you ready to stream on all major platforms. We'll market your podcast as well, showcasing it on radio stations and digital streams across the country. Expand, enhance, and extend your company and brand and reach potential clients and customers 24-7. Find out more at podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. That's podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. Five, four, three, two, one. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. A confirmed attack is taking place against the United States. Aliens from an unknown location have been reported in multiple states. We are controlling transmission. There is another world that awaits, far beyond what we can see and feel. A place that's anything but ordinary. What you believe might not be. Step into the zone of the best unknown. UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, conspiracies and cover-ups. And to the paranormal we go. From the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest, I am Jeremy Scott. As we begin another week together, it is an honor to be with you across the airwaves. Somewhere between the paranormal and the abnormal. Tonight on the program, we're going to be talking about setting the record straight. And what do I mean by Setting the record straight. Well, there's a lot of information out there when it comes to the subjects of UFOs, extraterrestrials, government cover-ups, government involvement, that is now starting to see the light of day. The term UFO has been shrouded in mystery and conspiracy for far too long. And of course now UFO is now UAP. But it's a subject that has captivated our imaginations for decades. I think I'm speaking for more than just myself when I say that. Governments and institutions across the world have gone out of their way to withhold this information, to deny the existence of UFOs, and to ridicule those who have reported their sightings. As I said, for too long, the truth has been concealed or, or covered up. But that, my friends, is changing. It's really been interesting to follow this process, and there really has been a seismic shift lately with the way that this enigma is addressed. 
Congress has taken a more serious and measured approach to studying these phenomena. And this shift in focus is really significant as it uh, illustrates a fundamental shift in our understanding and approach to a very complex issue. It does go beyond lights in the sky. There's much more to this subject. Official sources are coming forward to acknowledge the existence of unidentified aerial or anomalous phenomena, as it seems to be uh, now called across the board. And in doing so, suggesting that they might not be of terrestrial origin. The United States recognizes the importance of investigating the phenomenon for several reasons. First and foremost is the potential national security threat. These unidentified objects have been encountered by military personnel and pilots, and their advanced capabilities have raised concerns about whether they represent foreign adversaries or even potentially new technology. We're not saying that these are all extraterrestrial. Some of them very well could be extraterrestrial. But that doesn't mean that all of them are extraterrestrial. All we want to know is what they are. Really not interested in what they are not. Although that does seem to be uh, much of the focus is on what they are not. So whether it is foreign adversaries, whether it's potential new technology, whatever the case happens to be, we need answers. We're headed down the road of disclosure, whether we realize it or not. And this disclosure represents a watershed moment in human history that highlights the importance of transparency and accountability in government and institutions. Now, Congress has acknowledged that we need transparency and accountability. We've heard that from several high-ranking members. The government, though, continues to maintain secrecy, leading to speculation and mistrust. But the public, you and I, deserve to know what is happening in the skies above us. And Congress has made strides in pushing for the declassification and public uh, release of information related to UAPs or UFOs. We've covered it extensively over the last couple of years. There have been public meetings. Whistleblowers have come forward. Legislation has been proposed to establish an official framework for reporting and investigating these incidents. The government has set up the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office and is also exploring partnerships with international allies for collaboration. So we recognize the need to investigate and document and understand these anomalies not only for our safety but also for our well-being. Again, whether they are extraterrestrial, foreign adversaries, or something else, we need to know what they are. And these congressional actions 
that have been taking place when it comes to UAPs and UFOs signals a shift. And the shift that we're living in reflects a growing commitment to understanding these phenomena, their potential impact on national security, and their implications for our understanding of science and technology. Do these have some sort of extraterrestrial element? If that's involved here, we need to answer those questions as well. We need to try to understand this technology. And if it is, say, China or Russia or North Korea or whoever, that should be treated as seriously as any national security threat. And there certainly are a lot of national security threats out there these days. Got a couple of wars that are now being fought across this world. Seems like there's a few others brewing, getting ready to kickstart any day. If there was some sort of extraterrestrial presence out there, I'm sure that they would be laughing right about now. Some might also be asking, why have they not stepped in? There certainly has been a lot to discuss, whether it's David Grush and the revelations that he has made that our government is in possession of crashed UFO wreckage that we may have at one point uh, in time had our hands on extraterrestrial biological entities and that this could exist at even a higher level than our government say, a shadow government, an elite organization that operates above top secret. So those are the allegations that have been made, is that this is all above the heads of Congress, that it goes above the president, that there is this shadow government that is controlling this disclosure. No better man to talk to about this than Stephen Bassett, who will join us tonight to talk about the very latest in disclosure. We're going to set the record straight. I'm Jeremy Scott, and we'll be right back. Into the paranormal. I'm Jeremy Scott, somewhere between the paranormal and the abnormal, into the paranormal. Welcoming back tonight for the 11th time on the program, Stephen Bassett, the executive director of Paradigm Research Group, told about their mission many times here on the program, established almost 30 years ago now, to end the government-imposed truth embargo on extraterrestrial and UFO, or now as it's known, UAP unidentified anomalous phenomenon. Stephen Bassett, welcome back to the program. Uh, Jeremy, glad to be with you. A little bit late. Sorry about that. Tech issues, but uh, I'm rare to go. Well, just to give the audience here uh, a little bit of uh, insight, uh, you know, I'm just looking at the clock, and I'm just looking at the clock and, and saying, how, how much more do I have to talk 
until <laughs> we go off the air, at least to commercial break. I'm hoping that Stephen uh, joins us between now and then. But here we are. So uh, not to waste any further time, and you know things happen. So here we are, uh, and and rocking and rolling, and we've we've. Uh, thrown anchor and uh we've pulled up to the dock and uh here we are we're ready to go let's just hope we do not get wet um there's this bill uh that has passed through the senate uh senate bill 2226 is part of the ndaa that was passed for 2024 earlier this summer and it has uap language all throughout it Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Well, this is, uh, to bring your audience up to speed, this is the fourth tranche of legislation passed regarding UAP uh, over the last, uh, that will be the fourth, rather. Uh, the first was in 2020, uh, signed in December of 2020. All of these are part of the National Defense Authorization Act. This is authorization to spend money. It's a major act. It's a major part of the, of the legislation. Uh, so it's non-trivial. The bill in 2020 that was the language in the 2020 bill was put in by Marco Rubio. And so Marco Rubio, Senator Rubio, was the, who was the chairman of the committee at the time, basically is the individual who had put the first legislation uh, language ever uh, before Congress to vote on. It's a major milestone event, which I think history will be very generous with him about. Uh, The next year, another bill was uh, submitted, language, uh, and that was uh, championed by uh, uh, Senator Gillibrand, a Democrat, Rubio's Republican. The third year, the language got even stronger, and that was championed by and sponsored by the actual uh, chairman of the committee and uh, Intelligence Committee, Senate, and that's Mark Horner. This year... The language is under the sponsorship of Senator um, Reed, but uh, but a lot of the language was actually uh, submitted to the Senate by none other than uh, Chuck Schumer, the uh, uh, Senate Majority Leader, one of the most powerful figures in government, one of the the uh, the the eight very powerful people that uh, that advise the president in a lot of ways and deal with a lot of issues. So the gang of it's a gang of eight. I forget what it is. All right. So this bill is major. It is, I believe, the final piece of the infrastructure that's being set up. And we'll get into it in great detail. Yeah. Laying but, the groundwork uh, to set the the record straight about what we have all thought some of us have known to be the reality in which we live And uh, here it's coming our way, coming to fruition through legislation. We'll talk more with the Paradigm Research Group, Stephen Bassett, on Into the Paranormal. I'm Jeremy Scott. Paranormal News with George Henry coming up after your local station news break. Paranormal News. 
So what's in the capsule that returned with samples from the asteroid Bennu? NASA says there's evidence of high carbon content and water, which could indicate the building blocks of life on Earth may be found in the rock. Material from the 4.5 billion year old asteroid brought back by the OSIRIS-REx spacecraft last month was shown off at the Johnson Space Center in Houston. It's a combination of fine dust as well as some what we call intermediate sized particles, particles that are roughly the size of the short width of a grain of rice. Dr. Nicole Lunning, OSIRIS-REx lead curator, says the samples will be cataloged and studied by scientists around the world. George Henry, Paranormal News. from New York has made it clear that he wants to get answers when it comes to what are known as unidentified aerial phenomena in an attempt to force the American government to share whatever it knows. This is the first time in modern memory that someone as high as him is pushing for the declassification of UAP records. New legislation that would set a 300-day deadline for agencies to find any records and turn them over to a review board that could declassify them. Congress mandated that Aero set up a publicly discoverable and accessible process for safe disclosure. That government, the American public needs to see this stuff, and they need to see more of it. This should open the floodgates, and I believe it will. We're really living in a different time. We are over the target when it comes to this issue. Like astro travel through space, you never know where you'll land. We can guarantee it will be into the paranormal. I'm Jeremy Scott, somewhere between paranormal and abnormal. Into the paranormal with Stephen Bassett tonight of Paradigm Research Group. All right, so here's the legislation, Senate Bill 2226, which uh, discusses UAPs at length, uh, the work of the Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. And so talking with Stephen Bassett about what's in the bill, Uh, as they say, sometimes you have to pass it before you know what's in it. Well, now it's public. Now we know what's in it. And what does it say, Stephen? This is um, pretty amazing. First of all, one thing people need to understand is that uh, the way bills are done, the Senate and House come up with language and they post it up on there. Uh, respective sites for the world to see and they're up there for months right in other words they're letting them know this is what the senate wants the bill to be like this is what the house wants to be like and people all over the world can read it anybody can read it and that in and of itself is a very significant thing and then eventually they come together in a meeting and reconcile the two bills and that final bill is sent to the president for signing there's usually some changes in the case of the previous UAP legislation, there were a couple of small changes, but not much. By and large, this stuff is going in straight out. It's not getting hammered at all. In other words, in terms of from the standpoint of politics, it's not that controversial, though incredibly profound. So the fourth bill is what I call the final piece of the puzzle. And to properly explain that, I invite people to your listeners to think of it this way. What if the president of the United States, for whatever reason, got up one day, you know, and and had a great idea uh, 
call up the Pentagon, ask a few questions, and then suddenly hold a press conference and tell the world there's an extraterrestrial presence. Pretty sure about it. Got it confirmed by a friend of mine over at the DOD. All hell would break loose. In that day after, the day after disclosure or confirmation, everybody, every news person on the planet will have a million questions, and they're going to be coming at every government, wanting to know this and that and everything else. And in the United States, for sure, uh, wow, it's just going to be a three-ring circus. Because the government has nothing to deal with it. They have no structure. They have no laws. They have nothing. It's just the president just confirmed the ET presence. would be chaos. That can't happen. So what you have to do, if you know the president is going to confirm the ET presence in a relatively defined amount of time, for whatever reason, because he wants to, but because the circumstances uh, in the country and in the world are virtually going to demand it. You have to get it all set up in advance. In other words, you need to get uh, an office, a proper office set up at the DOD. You need to get NASA involved. You need to interview people and witnesses. You need to pass a lot of legislation that will cover the creation of these structures, as well as information coming forward and how to handle witnesses and all this stuff. You need to get all that ready so that when the president does step in front of the uh, press at the East Room of the White House and says, yeah, I have been following all of these developments these last uh, uh, two weeks or three weeks. And I think I can safely confirm that we are not alone, that we have non-human intelligence. And then the next day, or maybe he does it on Friday, and it's the following Monday, when the press storm out of their offices and head on down to every briefing room in town, and the public has a million questions. All this structure is in place, ready to deal with it. In other words, everything you see being done is not about finding out what the ETs are. The government already knows. It is about preparing for what to do and how to handle the subject once the confirmation comes down. So all of this is not wasted money, I assure you, but it's not for what people think. They already know what the ET issue is. They have bodies. They have technology. They've spent untold billions of dollars studying the phenomena, tracking them, and everything else. Now, the second part of this rather interesting situation is there's another reason for doing this, which is a little more self-serving. And that is knowing that the president is going to have to confirm very soon. And it's probably in the best interest of the country. They have a problem because they have been misrepresenting, lying, obscuring, undermining the citizen science journalists' efforts on this for 70 plus years. Basically saying... You can't, you don't, don't believe your lying eyes, irritating a lot of people, offending people, angering them, angering them. Uh, and he did it for national security and it was legal. So don't start hiring lawyers, but they had to do it. They felt they had to do it. I could argue all day. They should have done it in 48. They should have done it in 53. They should have done it during the Clinton minute. I could go all day on that, but it doesn't matter. The point is that the truth embargo, as I came to call it in the early aughts, is run its course. It's cooked. It's done. It's fully baked and needs to come out of the oven. And they know that. There are a lot of reasons for that. We can talk about that later. And knowing that, doing all of this, doing the right thing, is a way of showing the public and the world, look, we kind of get that you're not happy. We're doing all this stuff. We're being transparent as possible. And so... It's a public relations maneuver as well. 
It's to try to minimize the blowback uh, that they're going to get from the public when the full truth comes out, which it will pretty quickly. Uh, and that's not a bad thing. Um, nobody wants to look uh, any worse than they have to when having to deal with a very difficult situation. And this is very difficult. The second part of that, though, is a bit tough for people. And it, people that don't understand this issue or have the deep understanding of the history, like myself and many of my colleagues, there's so many, Richard Dolan, for instance, talk about him later. Uh, they, they are totally confused. They know that the government knows about this. They're pretty sure about it, but they're acting like they don't. And they're talking about finding out about it. Hey, Project Blue Book started in 52, went up 17 years. And so it's and, and so they're getting a sense they're not playing it straight. And right now, people really don't believe the government does anything straight. There's a lot of suspicion. There's a lot of, uh, of uh, unrest about that. Confidence in government is major, majorly low. And so that's tough. And so it just makes them feel they're being taken for a ride again. I get it. Totally understand. But I do know the history of this. And I can say it's a ride you want to take. Now, what do I mean? It's perfectly okay to, one, understand that what is being done is not about finding out what this phenomena is. Okay? At the same time, understanding that they are trying to set up so they, that the disclosure a confirmation event can take place and they're going to be ready for it. And that's in everybody's best interest. But in order to do that, they have to continue to be mendacious. They can't tell you everything you want to hear. They have to invoke NDAs. They have to maybe lie at times. They have to stay in bounds. They can't get out of bounds and get into areas. They're having to run this gauntlet and they've been running it for five years, particularly the last three. It, it, it wasn't supposed to take that long. In other words, they wouldn't have had to go through this quite this long, but historical circumstances have really stretched it out. But that's that's the way it is. You know, what can you do? And so they've had to go through this for five years. And I'm saying it's okay. Understand that anything that doesn't seem up and up, it seems like it's not being presented correctly or they're avoiding stuff, it is for higher purpose. They have to get this structure set up they have to get this legislation passed they have to have an an office at the dod which is arrow nasa needs to get involved they need to be briefed and all of that stuff so that when the president finally comes forward and confirms et presence will which i think will have happen after a very significant set of hearings it won't take very long in these uh before the senate intelligence committee everything is in place and then they we can enter the post-disclosure world, the, the world after disclosure, uh, a term that was coined by uh, Richard Dolan and Bryce Abel in their wonderful book, A.D. After Disclosure. Very clever. And I happen to believe that history will maybe very well bifurcate. And this has happened before. History itself between these two eras, before disclosure and after disclosure. Because after disclosure is going to be another world altogether. So with that in mind, all right, Hold those two things in your in your head and just go with this because it's heading where you want it to go. Now, this bill is significant for many reasons. One, because Senate Majority Schumer stepped into it with some language of his own, right? Uh, but he's not there's other language from other sources. Uh, that's one reason. But the language that he discussed was quite profound. So let's make sure we cover that. Here's the history. 
It's recent uh, and well, well understood. Frustrated with being harassed and having problems and threatened and what have you, having gone through the proper channels, even going to the IG's office for belief, et cetera, et cetera, and not seeing things happening at Arrow quickly enough, David Grush, former major, Air Force Intel, working under the working for the UAP task force, made a very important life-changing decision. He wasn't going to be a witness. He was going to come forward as a whistleblower, and he wasn't going to ask permission. And so David Grush, having extraordinary information that he'd already presented to the intel and probably a number of other internal sources, came forward and agreed to do an interview with News Nation. Ross Colthart interviewed him, gave a story to the debrief. Micah Hanks, I believe, wrote it. Uh, the major uh, news entities. Uh, wasn't that Leslie were, Clean and Ralph Blumenthal who wrote the one in the debrief? You're right. I'm very sorry. Of course. Yes, it was Leslie Blumenthal. Thank you. Um, and uh, some of the major entities, news entities, were, were approached, but they simply could not get the, take the story on and get it out in the time frame that Grush wanted. He wanted to get out. I mean, he, he wants to solve his problem. He, he doesn't want to stay in the background any longer. He's getting threats. Uh, it's easy to threaten somebody, even if the inspector general says, don't do that. You, you just go to anonymous on it. And so he wanted, and so he moved. And so you've got the, on, on June the 5th, we got the story, Leslie Payne and, and Ralph Blumenthal, the Pulitzer Prize winner, by the way, and the interview, which I watched live while at the uh, Contact in the Desert Conference uh, in Indian Wells with about 200 other people. And he said, we have, he, he, he did something was, in a sense, it wasn't disclosure, but it was totally symbolic. He said, that I've been formed by many, many people and have confirmed to myself that we have non-human technology and non-human bodies from multiple craft. That's, that's, that's basically, in a sense, disclosure in a way. It confirms Roswell. It confirms the ET presence. Everything else just falls from that. It landed like a bomb. I mean, it was huge, and the coverage was massive. And I, I have a print media archive where I log in all that. I think I'm up to fifteen article, fifteen hundred articles just for this year. Okay, so that goes down. Boy, it shakes shakes everybody up. And it wasn't supposed to happen. Everything is being done now. That stepped out of bounds. That was not supposed to happen, but it happened because David Grush was trying to deal with a serious problem. Because this issue has been hanging fire so long, it's not surprising that this kind of thing could happen. They got it done quickly and get it done, move on, no problem. But it, it, it stretches on. There's going to be things like this. There's been a couple like this. And so, boom, this thing drops into the situation. And what do you do? Because it's a real problem. Right off the bat, within a short amount of time, uh, a reporter asks uh, Jean-Pierre, the uh, both uh, person for the president in the, pre- in the briefing room about it. And she had to dance around that because the White House does not want to be answering those questions now. He's not in a position to do that. So it's really a problem. And so there was a lot of, you know, a lot of this and that going on and everybody's trying to figure it out and, uh, the, uh, uh, and, and absorb it. And it took a while. And we'll continue our conversation with Stephen Bassett talking about what has been just a a wild year of disclosure, and uh, there's more to come of our conversation. Into the paranormal.
really look back at what the year has been. And again, Stephen Bassett from Paradigm Research Group telling us uh, that this whole David Grush thing was not part of the whole plan. I'm Jeremy Scott. Into the Parabnormal continues. Uh, so he came forward because uh, well, as some, for, some uh, form of retaliation or what, Stephen? No, he came forward because he was being threatened. He got tried to got he got some relief from the in, inspector general of the intelligence community, but it wasn't enough. I'm sure the people around him that were bothering him stopped, but it's possible to harass somebody anonymously. He, he has family. He had enough, and plus the information he felt was extraordinary, and so he came forward as a whistleblower, which is notable. Why was he a whistleblower? One, because he said he was, and two, because he said the policy of withholding the information that he had was illegal. And therefore, he's now bringing it out. He is stepping definitely outside the protocols. I do not know how far. Notice he hasn't been tried or anything. They haven't done anything to him. Uh, and therefore, that makes him a whistleblower. And so he drops this ontological bomb into the world on June the 5th. It had been in the works for a while, but I didn't know about it. There were some people that did. So what do you do? I mean, what do you do? Uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. People want to know, what does the Congress think of this? What does the president think of this? What does the DOD think of this? What does anybody think of it? Well, we didn't. We got a lot of news coverage. But everybody was dodging any serious responses as they tried to decide how to deal with it. So that was June the 5th. You go forward just um, 39 days to July the 14th. And we finally got the response, I guess you could say. In other words, we finally got the government's response, and I included you know, the House, the Senate, and everybody, to the situation. And this is how it was dealt with brilliantly. Out of nowhere, the Senate Majority Leader, who's not a member of the committee, I think the Majority Leader can technically sit on any committee he wants, but he's not a, a formal member of the Select uh, Committee on Intelligence of the Senate. He announces that he's putting language into this coming bill, and he provides the language that he's putting into the bill. And what is that language? It is essentially language that says, in so many words, any non-human technology, and our bodies, certainly both, in the hands of anybody in the United States, any civilians, corporations, even government uh, uh, secret projects, whatever, wherever it is, it is the property of the United States government. He, in other words, indicates full eminent domain. It's ours. And don't you forget it. So if you're somebody working on a USAP, but you took a little stuff home and you're thinking, yeah, I think I can develop that in a nice project. And later on, I'll get a startup, make a few million. Or you took some home from a crash site, you know, just didn't tell anybody. Or you're Lockheed Martin and you're deep into a 40-year reengineering. It doesn't matter. It is the product of the United States government. Don't forget it. And then he goes on in the language and says, and the timing doesn't matter. This is about structure and formality. That 300 days, I think, from the signing of the bill, uh, the government, I think Arrow, maybe even the Senate Intel Committee, expects a report about any such non-human tech. In other words, if you got it, you got to report what you got. Obviously, it'll be classified. It'll be, you know, it will not be made public, but it's going to come to us. In other words, I need, a, I need an accounting. 
I needed accounting, all the bodies, all the craft, all the tech, everything. Gonna send it to us. Whoa. This essentially, what is what has he done with this one maneuver? One, he has essentially confirmed and and given full imprimatur to the government, the Senate's activities, the previous legislation, statements from Gillibrand, Rubio, and so forth. In other words, he's saying, I'm the Senate majority leader. You go, go do your thing. I'm totally with you. All right. He also sends a message to the world, to the American people. This is serious. Okay. This is serious. Pay attention. All right. And he also essentially takes the pressure off the government to deal with Grush. In other words, he's saying, look, Grush said this, said this was happening. Uh, We're going to get to the bottom of it. Okay. And that alone was a major event. And that was on the 14th of July. It has been a very momentous year, as Stephen Bassett is telling us. So we'll continue our conversation as we uh, set the record straight. Stephen Bassett of the Paradigm Research Group. I'm Jeremy Scott from the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest between the paranormal and abnormal. If you think this hour was mind-blowing, just wait until you hear what's next. Into the Paranormal. We'll be right back. Sure, Stephen Bassett of the Paradigm Research Group is my guest tonight. Talking about this whole uh, disclosure movement and uh, the proceedings of this year, uh, you're hearing all oh, names Gillibrand, Rubio, Schumer, Schiff, uh, uh, the list goes on. Gallagher, I throw him in there. And really, that only scratches the surface. These are names who have been involved in the disclosure movement. And uh, Chuck Schumer is the highest of them all. Uh, Nobody really has handled uh, the UFO subject at this high level, have they, Stephen, since some of the presidents many years ago, right? Nothing nothing compares to this. Um, Jimmy Carter tried to do it, got a study going back in 77. It was quickly pretty much shut down. They were able to get a report out, but nothing more than that. Clinton tried to engage the, the issue, and it, during the first three years of administration, he was snowed, snow, uh, stonewalled by the Department of Defense. No, we're, we're in a whole other place. In fact, we're practically at the finish line. So I'll just finish up quickly on this prelude to the bill, and there's a reason, because what I'm trying to show you is 
the kinds of things that can happen uh, while we're trying to get to, you know, home plate, right? We need to get disclosure. We need to get the confirmation from the president. And the longer we delay, things are going to happen. Well, one of the things that happened when David Grush turned up, and that created, as we discussed, some interesting developments, resulting in Schumer having to step in with a very important language regarding eminent domain of any non-human technology and non-human bodies. And, well, obviously, you don't need to declare eminent domain on that if you don't think they exist. But you don't have to say they exist. Again, it's all part of the setting up the structure process. So that happened. But then it got, again, a little interesting because the effect of Grush coming forward really uh, got the attention of the House, particularly Tim Burchett, who had been very publicly uh, talking about this issue, actually saying there's ETs here, saying we have tech on a number of programs, News Nation, Fox, and so forth, one of the most aggressive ever in Congress to go after this issue. He saw an opportunity. He talked, I believe, with Comer, who was the chairman of the House uh, Oversight Committee, and said, we ought to have a hearing. Everybody talks about the Senate having hearings. We need a real hearing. We had a couple of briefings. We haven't had a hearing. There hasn't been a hearing on this issue since 1968. And I think we can get Grush. And he was right. Uh, he might have had, they might have had trouble getting a hearing uh, in general without the Grush events because a lot of people would have not wanted to testify, I don't think. They, want, they would be waiting for a different committee, as it were. But David Grush was in a hurry. And so he was willing to, to, to step uh, forward. And when they got Grush, I think it was pretty easy, probably, to get uh, Ryan Graves and David Fravor. So they had a nice uh, three-person hearing under oath, all former military. Uh, but, of course, Grush was center stage. And so then Grush does the next step. He, he puts all this information back out again under oath on camera in front of the committee, taking it to another level. And this hearing came together very quickly between the time that Schumer came out in July the 14th. They had, to, they had to move very fast because they were going to go into recess, I think, on the 28th. Uh, Anna Paulina Luna uh, and uh, uh, Tim Burchett uh, and I think uh, Congresswoman Mace were key here. And they got it done. And they held a very good hearing. And it was very powerful. And it took place on the 26th, just 12 days after Schumer made his move, and then they went into recess. But still, that wasn't supposed to happen. The first, the, the hearings on this issue that was going to lead to confirmation by the president was not supposed to be a subcommittee of a House committee. supposed to be the Senate Intel Committee. But that's the way it went down. So this is, a, this is the reason why we got to get this done. All right, so that's on July the 26th. The language is up there, and it's been up at the Senate site for some time for everybody in the world, including people working in USAPs, people you know, at the Pentagon, people at the intelligence agencies. And every, anybody can go and read that and get the point. It's a message to the entire world. It's a message to the entire government. This bill. All right. I happen to think this bill will be the last legislation that will be passed before disclosure. It essentially completes the structure that they need to set up. It's the final piece. And let's just look at it to see how cool it is. Oh, boy, is it cool. Senate Bill 2226 for the 2024 NDA, which will be signed, I think, a date I've heard is December 10. Let's begin. 
What is the title of the bill? It's called the UAP Disclosure Act of 2023. Now, I'm really familiar with the term disclosure. I've said it several hundred thousand times in the last 21 years. You have. You've said it several hundred times on this program. Exactly. And uh, I assure you, there was a lot of names they could have given to this act. They didn't have to call it the Disclosure Act, but they did. This is a message. It's a message to everybody in the citizen, science, journalist, activist effort. It's 76 years on now. We hear you. Understand. We're getting there. Be patient. All right. So that's the name of the act. Let me also mention that the phrase unidentified anomalous phenomena is in the bill 141 times. The phrase a non-human intelligence is in the bill 25 times. So, you see, we're not in Kansas anymore, all right? We are on the way uh, to the finish line. So, just, just I'm going to touch on just a few parts of the bill. There's almost no place in the bill you can't go uh, that you don't find something amazing. Now, I have, I have taken the bill's language and put it into a nice PDF. Uh, and I will put the link up on my website. Uh, it's not a, a complicated link. It's paradigmresearchgroup.org, which is my website, slash 2024 hyphen, capital N, capital D, A, A, N, D, A, A, capped, hyphen, Senate, the capital S, dot PDF. 2024 hyphen, N, D, A, A, hyphen, Senate, capital S, dot PDF. Paradigm Research Group slash that. That takes you to this. I'll get it up, uh, something up on the, my, uh, the front page of my main site, Paradigm Research Group. We'll put that up on Twitter as well right now. Absolutely. And I've, done, and I've put it out on social media. And I, I put the bill up. It's easy to read this way. And by the way, it's 27, six pages of single-spaced text. That's how big it is. In the, in the standard form that they do these bills where they number the lines and everything and the spacing is a little bigger. It goes to 63 pages. So, um, in just the beginning, findings and declaration, right? This is important. These are just the preliminary, but it's very important. Congress finds and declares the following. All federal government records related to unidentified anomalous phenomena should be preserved and centralized for historical and federal government purposes. I can't help, can't say how many times in various interviews going way back years and years, I kept talking about the fact that I was very much concerned that the nature of the truth embargo and everybody's not wanting to be embarrassed by it, that a lot of stuff would get destroyed before we had disclosure. And maybe that is the case. What they're saying here is, don't do that. Two, all federal government records concerning unidentified anomalous phenomena should carry a presumption of immediate disclosure. In other words, all the, with respect to all of these documents, the presumption is that they should be immediately disclosed. And all records should be eventually disclosed to enable the public to 
become fully informed about the history of the federal government's knowledge and involvement surrounding unidentified anomalous phenomena. Wow, that's saying a lot. Now, someone who doesn't know the history of this might not fully understand the importance of that statement. What they just said is, one, all these documents should be presumed to be immediately disclosed, barring any restrictions. All right. And all should eventually be disclosed to enable the public to become fully informed about the history of the federal government's knowledge. You know what that means? It means fully informed about the truth embargo. In other words, they know that when these documents come out, people are going to finally learn about the truth embargo and the fact that the government has known about the ETs no later than 47, possibly sooner. And they're acknowledging that right there. Three, legislation is necessary to create an enforceable, independent, and accountable process for public disclosure of such records. Now, this cuts right to what I said at the beginning of our chat. This is all being set up as the infrastructure absolutely needed the day after the president confirms. And meaning we've got to have legislation to create an enforceable, independent, and accountable process for the public disclosure of such records. It's not going to be Wild West after disclosure. They're not going to be dragging files out in the lawn and telling people to go through it like a yard sale. It's going to have to be very orderly, very structured, fairly appropriate. Four, legislation is necessary because credible evidence and testimony indicates that federal government unidentified anomalous phenomenal records exist. Of course, we know that. Right. Believe me, plenty of them have turned up, including on the government's own website, but that have not been declassified or subject to mandatory classification review as set forth in Executive Order 13526, USC 3161. In other words, they're acknowledging there's plenty of stuff out there that, that hasn't been declassified. Still got it. Of course. You know, yeah. Uh, uh, John Greenwald to tell you that all the times he sent in an FIA and they came back and said, we know we, uh, we ain't got anything. What are you talking about? I mean, we got nothing. We don't have this. four. All right. So, and it goes on. It says, uh, relating to classified national security information due in part to exemptions under the atomic energy act of 1954, as well as the overbroad interpretation of transclassified foreign nuclear information, which is also exempt from mandatory declassification. What they're saying is this is some of the reasons why the stuff has remained class declassified, not declassified rather, uh, and there are others, but they're pointing out there's some reason, meaning it's not, there's a reason for it. We get it, but you have to understand that, hey, it's a new game here. Number five. Legislation is necessary because Section 552 of Title V United States Code, commonly referred to as the Freedom of Information Act, as implemented by the executive branch of the federal government, has proven inadequate in achieving the timely public disclosure of government's unidentified anomalous phenomena records that are subject to mandatory. And we've got to pause at that point with Stephen Bassett as we lift the veil on what we know about UFOs. Stephen Bassett of Paradigm Research Group. More with him to come. I'm Jeremy Scott, and we'll be back after this. Into the Paranormal. I'm Jeremy Scott, somewhere between the paranormal and the abnormal. 
The truth embargo slowly but surely is dissolving uh, right before our eyes. Stephen Bassett, executive director of the Paradigm Research Group, joining us tonight to uh, break it all down to us. And so, uh, Stephen, to continue with this Senate Bill 2226, uh, it goes on to discuss uh, about oversight and then further goes on to talk about uh, transparency. Uh, So take us through this some more. Yes, as I just indicated there in the very beginning, they bring up Freedom of Information Act as implemented by the executive branch. Federal government has proven inadequate in achieving the timely public disclosure government and identified anomalous phenomena records. I'm sure John Greenwald, Grant Cameron, and so many others would tell you about that. All right. Uh, it is the case that the UFO subject is the most highly FOIA subject ever. And I'm sure it's put them under pressure. But the reason it's an, is inadequate, has been inadequate, is not because of that. It's been inadequate because of the truth embargo. Many, many entities uh, know that you may want something and they may have it, but if they feel it's uh, uh, not in the interest of the government or the truth embargo, you're not going to get it. They'll, they'll say they don't have it when they do. They might slow roll it, whatever. In other words, to their credit, they try. But over the last, oh, God, how many years, 34 years, there's been this constant back and forth going on between the FOIA submitters and the government trying to satisfy the law or at least sort of obey the law without violating the truth embargo. The truth embargo makes everything difficult for everybody. That's a perfect example. Now, as you go down, you get to another section, and this is important. So that was the declaration. Right? This is why they're doing this bill. And then comes purposes. The purpose of this, this bill, one, to provide for the creation of an unidentified anomalous phenomena records collection at the National Archives and Records Administration. So that's the formal way of saying, okay, that we're going to be getting records out, we're going to get information out, and, and, and the reason is that's going to be happening, one of the key reasons is that it's all headed for the National Archives where it can be accessed by everybody. Right? But in order to do that, you've got to have a lot of rules and protocols and so forth, and this bill is going to provide all those. So they've just acknowledged that all that stuff that the government's been hiding, everything, all the docs, which refers to the issue, the phenomena, and, of course, the truth embargo and how it was conducted and all that, ultimately is going to end up in the National Archives. <laughs> That's pretty significant. And then they also uh, get into definitions. They talk about what a close observer is. The term close observer means anyone who has come into close proximity to identified anomalous phenomena or non-human intelligence. There's that word. So, again, think about that. Imagine how this, this subject has unfolded over the last 70 years and all the stuff that's going on. And now we got a bill. That says close observer means, yeah, you've had come close proximity to unidentified anomalous phenomena. You've seen a UFO in the sky. You saw a light. You saw something over a tree. Oh, and non-human intelligence. Yeah. And And they're not talking. Yeah. yeah, We're not talking what, Stephen? We're not talking about porpoises or elephants who are quite intelligent. Probably talking about what, extraterrestrials? Of course they are. We'll continue our conversation. Next comes 
controlled disclosure. I'm Jeremy Scott. More with Stephen Bassett, Executive Director of Paradigm Research Group, on this show that's somewhere between the paranormal and abnormal. Into the paranormal. I'm Jeremy Scott. This is Paranormal News. NASA's Psyche spacecraft is on its way to study a metallic asteroid for the first time. Three, two, one, engine ignition. And liftoff. Liftoff of Falcon Heavy and Psyche on a mission to a metal asteroid in deep space to study the building blocks of our planet's inner space. It blasted off last Friday on a rocket from Kennedy Space Center on a two billion mile, six year journey to an object in the main asteroid belt called Psyche. It is the largest metal rich asteroid discovered so far at more than 150 miles wide. Dr. Jim Bell, the mission's deputy principal investigator, tells us when we can expect to see the first photos. We'll start seeing Psyche as we get close to uh, the end of this decade in late 28, early 20. Uh, it'll go from that point of light that we can see in telescopes to its own little world. By exploring Psyche, scientists hope to better understand more about how Earth formed and what makes it habitable. George Henry, Paranormal News. It was like a starship. The thing was huge. It was triangular in shape and three lights on the side. The government has already stated for the record that they're real. There's footage and records of objects in the skies that we don't know exactly what they are. We can't explain. Hundreds and hundreds of people have seen these things, sometimes all at the same time. Video of an upside-down pyramid UFO hovering above a Navy destroyer. The government went from denying unexplainable sightings to admitting people are seeing things that nobody can identify. Got something to say? Call Into the Paranormal at 503-506-0396 in the United States and Canada. Skype callers, reach us at ITP51. Are we on the precipice of capital D disclosure? I'm Jeremy Scott, somewhere between the paranormal and abnormal. Imagine if one day it came to be known by everyone that we are not alone, that non-human intelligence is real. It might shock the system. Not everyone can handle that truth. And so, uh, Stephen Bassett, we have to then control the flow of information. And in this Senate bill, it does talk about controlled d- disclosure. Mm, yes. Let me also quickly say, look, I can do four hours on this bill. 
All right. And obviously we don't have that. Got a little bit of time left. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to hit two more important points. Uh, then we can wrap up. Uh, but again, there's so much more to this and I'm happy to, to come back or whatever. And I'll be talking about this in one interview after another going forward. There are two things in this bill that particularly stick out. Uh, one of them is controlled disclosure. And that term is in the bill. And there's a section about that. And the Internet just went nuts over that. The moment the term control, control disclosure got out in Twitter, uh, everybody who is obviously still not trustful of the government and paranoid felt, oh, there it is, there it is, there it is. They're going to control the damn thing and lock it up, and we're going to have another five years of truth embargo. No, no, I get that. That's okay. I'm here to help. And the other thing is review board. Now, the review board is a big deal. The term review board is in the bill 127 times. And it's absolutely essential to what's coming and extremely significant for a number of reasons. Let's quickly do this. First, regarding the review board appointment, no later than 45 days after the date of the enactment of the bill, which will put it in January, the president shall appoint a citizen of the United States without regard to political affiliation the position of executive director of the review board. This position counts as one of nine review board members. And this is an executive review board. In other words, it's part of the White House. Qualifications, they list those, but one of the qualifications, qualifications I noted was that the person has had no previous or current involvement with any legacy program, meaning legacy UAP-related program, or controlling authority, meaning an entity that has information and documents and so forth, relating to the collection, exploitation, or reverse engineering of technologies. In other words, if you're you're involved in a reverse engineering program in an underground facility somewhere, you can't be on the review board. I mean, they're really getting down into the nitty-gritty, aren't they? And And uh, so how would they uh, know anyway? Well, they're going to know because they're going to ask, and if somebody doesn't tell them the truth, they're going to go to jail. I mean, I I can't overemphasize to people, this is it. They're not fooling around. They're going to disclose, and they're getting all the architecture together, and they're making it really clear, but the language they're putting in these bills to everybody out there that has another idea, think again. All right? And so they go through this intensive uh, accounting of how this review board is going to work, what's going to be on it, and so forth. And so that is underway right now. They are in the process of selecting the nine people that are going to be on the um, uh, executive branch review board. And what are they reviewing? What they're reviewing is what is passing through what they have called the controlled disclosure campaign plan. You see, those last two words were left out on the Internet. And this is major to the bill. Uh, control disclosures in the bill. Oh, God, after how many times? It's quite a few. But let me just state it. Here it is. Control disclosure campaign. What Campaign plan. What is it? With respect to unidentified anomalous phenomena records, particular information in unidentified anomalous phenomena records, recovered technologies of unknown origin, and biological evidence for non-human intelligence, the public disclosure of which is postponed Pursuant to Section 9006, this is where they talk about the reasons why things can't come out right away, or for which 
only substitutes or summaries have been disclosed. I mean, they've got some information, but it's not the original documents. It's summaries to the public. The archivist, the committee or Homeland Security and governmental affairs of the Senate and the Committee on Oversight and Accountability of the House of Representatives, a controlled disclosure plan with classified appendix containing. All right. So what they're saying, with respect to this process, there is a controlled disclosure plan. And the purpose of this is to make sure that the information comes forward in an appropriate way, that the information, particularly with respect to certain aspects of it, will be reviewed by the nine-person executive group, right? The, the review board. And they will decide, okay, this can come, come out. That has to wait. So we don't get into trouble by bringing out things too soon. Does that mean it has to wait forever? No, it doesn't. It simply means that we're not going to just open up, you know, uh, the underground, you know, the, 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 the door, the thing to the underground facilities. Everybody is coming in, ride the elevators down and start wandering through the research facilities. We're not going to dump the records out. But you are going to get massive amounts of information. It's going to be in an orderly process. It's going to take time, but it's not going to be particularly long. And there's always going to be information coming forward. This process is going to be completely transparent. The nine people on the board are going to be known, and all this is recorded on the news all the time. This bill basically sets up the fundamental basis by which ultimately everything the government has, has known, has done in terms of the phenomena, in terms of the issue politically, the truth embargo, the works, is going to be public record. It's going to end up in the National Archives, and we're going to know about it. Will that take five months, eight months, one year, three years, four years? I don't know. But there's so much that you won't have to worry. You'll have something coming out every week, and you'll have the world clamoring for more. So it's not as if they can say, hey, let's just take a break here for a decade. Oh, no, 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 no. This is it. And so, the stage is now set. History is about to be made. And in whose hands does that history lay? Well, I know. And I'm going to be talking about that a lot going forward. The person that stands right now on the cusp or in the center of this is going to determine when we go forward is the chairman of the Senate Intel Committee, Senator Mark Warner, former governor of Virginia. Great man. He's great work. Extremely well respected. Because he is the one that's going to call the next hearing. Unless something else happens in another committee and who knows, the House or whatever, manages to slip another hearing in, but they can't afford much more of that. I'm nothing against the House subcommittee uh, an oversight, nothing against Tim Burchett or any of those people. They wanted a hearing, by God, they got it. And Timber uh, and uh, David Grush was able to tell his truth, and I'm fine with that. This issue was never going to be simple, and it was always going to be complicated, and it ultimately is not going to make a difference. And ultimately, Grush may get historical credit for ensuring that the Senate would go forward. Because once he hung that giant matzo ball over the country and the White House, non-human intelligence... Bodies, multiple crash vehicles, 
it almost ensured that they could not possibly drag this out. They got to get to it. And and they might have, except there's a lot going on right now. We have total upheaval in the United States Congress. We've had a war in Ukraine. Uh, and, of course, we've had another recent awful event. There's just some things that are making it very difficult for the business of the country to be conducted. I get it. And that includes everything, even something that's important. But it's just about done. And so Mark Warner has the decision, and it's an incredibly significant decision. History will will scrutinize this decision by Senator Warner intensely. He can drag his, he can stretch this out for whatever reason, not call the witnesses before his committee that would end this truth embargo in a week. I know who many of them are, and I know they're being interviewed. And he can stretch it out into the, the end of this year and into next year as the, the election campaign, which is going to prove to be interesting, unfolds. It has the potential to be a catastrophe, a disaster, a clown show, whatever, but it's not going to be your standard election. It's going to be a mess, but it's democracy. Democracy's messy. He could do that. And this thing will just hang in the air over the head of every candidate running for Congress, running for Senate, running for governor, about 2,000 candidates in an election that will cost about six billion bucks to decide who is going to run the country as of 2025. He could do that. And it would make the election even more bizarre, create all kinds of problems, open the door for who more David Grushes to turn up and God knows what Chinese balloons flying over, whatever. It will be a bad, it won't be a good thing. Or he can get this hearing underway and call these witnesses in about a week is enough. Probably 10, 12 is enough witnesses could go two weeks. All right, no problem. And he brings them in front of that committee under oath like as we had saw previously. Only this time the audience will be a hundred times bigger, a thousand times bigger. They'll ensure that. They wanted a large audience. The bigger the audience for these hearings, the better. It not only gives the issue gravitas, but it also provides the political cover and creates great legacy. So if there's a billion people watching this hearing, no problem. Is that possible? You bet. 1.5 billion watched the uh, World Cup finals last year. Live. And those witnesses are going to tell things that are beyond even Grush. You know the individuals who he referred to in the unacknowledged special access programs that were contacting him with the information about the non-human tech they're working on and the non-human bodies? And everybody's saying, well, it's secondhand, it's secondhand. Why did we not believe David? They're being interviewed. The Congress knows who they are. They may very well turn up in front of the Intel Committee, which means, well, that's firsthand, isn't it? And, and there's so much more they could do. They could spend an entire day just doing nothing but showing just released gun camera footage, only the good stuff. Hours of it, they wanted to. And that hearing will be the ball game. And the reason it ends it is, one, all the infrastructure is prepared and in place so that we can deal with the unbelievable demand that the world is going to put on every government, particularly ours, for everything we have as soon as possible. And to be able to do it in a proper, controlled way. That's one reason. And the other reason is, and this I can't emphasize too much, every single member, I'm sorry, every single candidate who is going to spend untold amounts of money to get the votes to win a seat in the Senate, a seat in the House, 
governor of this state, every single one of them will be campaigning in the post-disclosure world in which all of the electorate knows that we're not alone. We have human, non-human tech, we have non-human bodies, and a whole lot more. And this universe is far more interesting than we ever could have imagined. They're going to know that, and they're going to be able to ask their the candidates about it. And the candidates are going to have a reasonable amount of time to go read Richard Dolan's books and countless other books and go online and watch docs or whatever and just get themselves up to speed. All right, hold that thought. More with Stephen Bassett as we wrap up our program right after this. Into the paranormal. Legislation that uh, mandates how the U.S. government must handle reports of anomalous aerial phenomenon and the release of information. It's part of this Senate bill that's uh, going to uh, face a final vote later this year and could then uh, be put into effect immediately thereafter. President would be given 90 days to form an independent review board, as we've been discussing with Stephen Bassett of the Paradigm Research Group. Government agencies would have 300 days to turn over any UAP records, and the board would have 180 days to review the records, and then 14 days to release the findings. Uh, so here we are. Uh, Stephen, you were talking about uh, candidates having to address the UFO question on the campaign trail uh, coming up. Yes. If we have disclosure before the campaigns get really underway, the people will be able, will know that we have an ET presence. The candidates will. They'll hopefully educate themselves, and then the people can ask them their views, their opinions. What do you think about it? What are your plans? How do you approach it? And so the government gets elected in 2024 and begins serving in 2025 will be a government elected by the people, partially based on how they're going to deal with the most important issue in the history of the human race. Or we can delay this thing and the whole thing will be kind of like a three ring circus with nobody knowing what to say and everything flying around. So this is in the hands of Mark Warner. And if he holds the hearings, which he needs to do. He sets the stage for the president to be able to confirm the extraterrestrial presence in a apolitical way uh, and a control in a in a, a very appropriate way, not based upon his burning desire to be the truth embargo president, but rather, I mean, to be the disclosure president for a slip, uh, but simply because he is as convinced by what he just saw on television as millions upon millions of people around the world. And to finish up, let me just just grab just one other little section of the bill and read it to you, right? And this is filled with the stuff, but just listen to this. It's about notification and reporting. Any person currently or formally under contract with the federal government that has in their possession material or information provided by or derived from federal government relating to unidentified anomalous phenomena that formally or currently is protected by any form of special access or restricted access shall not later than 60 days after the date of the enactment of this act, which would be put it into late February, notify the director of such possession Two, not later than 180 days after the date of this act, 
make available to the director for assessment, analysis, and inspection all such materials and information, a comprehensive list of all non-Earth origin or exotic unidentified anomalous phenomena materials. See what I'm saying? Stephen, I'm so and glad they, you brought that up because I uh, hinted on this uh, many months ago. Uh, what? Because then the government would be theoretically in possession of everything. Uh, well, that's not what's going to happen. I mean, they, 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 it's all it's all being set. And then they add this section: liability. No criminal or civil action may lie or be maintained in any federal or state court against any person for receiving material or information described in Section D if that person complies with the notification and reporting provisions. They're telling you, okay, folks, you know, you can do it. We're going we're protecting you if the case you're concerned. I don't know how much more they have to say. So this is it. All right. If you want to send a tweet to uh, Senator Warner and the uh, in the uh, committee, they just say, "Look, we love what you're doing. We we are doing the right thing, but we want those hearings. We want them as soon as possible." A couple of quick promos. Uh, I'm going to be speaking at a major conference. At uh, the website is disclosurefest.org. It's called Stairway to the Stars. It's at the Luxor Hotel. It's in a pyramid. November 10 to 12. It's called Stairway to the Stars. There's going to be thousands of people there. I'll also be presenting at the World Ufology Conference December 1-3. That is going to be in Mexico City. Uh, Who knows what will happen between now and then. It's going to be a pretty big deal. Also, Richard Dolan, my good friend and colleague, has just launched a new program called Upgrade the Debate. And it's going to consist of a series of presentations online with multiple speakers. I will be speaking at the one November, I think, 16, 17. It's called uh, The Politics of uh, UFO Disclosure. Uh, It's still in shape, but look for it. You'll be looking for that. You'll be getting links and stuff on that pretty soon. Uh, And then I have a major announcement coming out of Hollywood, California on November the 2nd. We'll uh, look forward to having you back next time, Stephen. Always good to talk with you. My pleasure. From the Paradigm Research Group, I'm Jeremy Scott from the cool, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest, somewhere between paranormal and abnormal. Good night and God bless. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC.